when Rudy asked me to do this, I didn't realize that it would start a process in me. I'm used to speaking, I'm used to talking about diversity, but I never really talked about it directly from my own perspective. And in this, it was, it was a thank you, Rudy, because it, it made me think about it a little differently. So here I am sharing. So first I wanna talk about being Asian in America and what it means to be Asian in America and what does it mean um, to be other than the majority. And so this can really um, apply to all of the groups that for one reason or the other are not the, the ruling class, shall we say. And so, but I want to start with a little incident that I, I experienced myself a few years ago before COVID. And I was at the farmer's market, which I do quite a bit because, you know, my, my, I eat mostly vegetables. So I'm at the farmer's market and I noticed a new stand that I hadn't seen before. And they were selling all kinds of apples and a big sign that said, all varieties, same price. So I thought, well, I was curious. I'm gonna go up and ch check it out. And there was a man there buying some apples and he was joking with the, with the vendor behind the, the stands uh, about the weather, no, nothing big talk. And he had a big bag of apples, maybe eight or 10 of them. And the guy, he gives it to the vendor and he, he weighs it or whatever. And he says, 450. I said, wow, that's a great price for that many apples. So, but I hadn't you know, worked with this guy before. So I just picked up three and I figured, well, I'll try this. And if I really like it, I'll, I'll come back. So the, the man in front of me finishes his transaction. I take my bag up to the, to the vendor, you know, saying, you know, I like these, please. And something very funny happened. His face changed. The smile went away. It became a stone face. He takes the apples out of my hand, drops it onto the scales, and without really looking at the scales, he says, $5. I had three apples. I was kind of surprised, to say the least. And he looks at me and says, well, you won them or not, $5. I didn't really, a lot of things are going through my head, but none of them really made sense. So I looked over because the man who bought the apples before me was still putting his things away in his bag. And he looked at me and he, he got this really ex embarrassed expression on his face. And he said, inflation. And he runs out the stand. I'm standing here with his vendor and what really caught me was the price couldn't have gone up that quickly in two minutes, a minute. So the only thing I was left with is for some reason, the price changed because of who I was. I was so shocked, not because I have not experienced being Asian in America before, but because this was heroes in my hometown in a place I frequent, and it came so unexpectedly. I just was flabbergasted, to be honest with you. I gave him $5, took my apples and went away, which is completely against everything I normally would have told people to do. But it was just something that was so unexpected. And it's like 
this is what I think. The reason why I want to share this is it's like, this is what it's like being not the majority in any place. You're constantly walking through what you think are normal circumstances, and all of a sudden, out of the blue, you hit a landmine. And so, at some level, whether you're conscious or not, there's a certain state of alertness that you, me, being somebody who is other than the majority, being Asian in America, that I have to have a certain level of alertness because you never know when that landmine is going to blow up. I've been um, told that there were no apartments for rent after confirming that there were eight open in the afternoon and going there after work. All of a sudden, all the places were rented out when they saw my face. I've been to um, diners just right off the freeway where just totally ignored because of who I was. So it's not unusual in the sense of not never having experienced it, but because it was so unexpected that it really catches, caught me by surprise. So I'd like to talk about what's happening now and what, how many people are experiencing things that they may not have expected because these landmines are everywhere. So harassment, property damage, and violence against Asian American Pacific Islanders have sharply increased since the COVID because of what has been now been blamed on a country, which other diseases have started in different places. Just because it starts someplace doesn't mean that everybody of that ethnic origin is to blame or should have to take responsibility for that. In the last year, the violence has increased 339%. And this is, we're only halfway through the year. And the previous year, equally significant uh, increase uh, as compared to the previous year. Four in 10 Asian adults have had people act very uncomfortable or feel threatened by them. And three in 10 said they've been harassed with slurs or jokes because of the ethnicity since the last, the beginning of the pandemic. One in six Asian Americans have reported that they have been experiencing a hate crime in 2021. And these are only the reported ones, but only 3% of the reported attacks in New York has resulted in a conviction in 2021. So even that the reported ones are not getting any kind of consequences for the, the people who are perpetuating this. And part of this comes back to what we as Asians live with, the model minority myth. And I'll talk about this more in a minute, what this means and how this really disengages all these, every Wendy, every Asian American Pacific Islander, plus also is a disservice to everybody else. So, a brief history and the reality of what happened in America. So the Chinese started coming to America as indentured labor to build the railroad, to build the gold mines, particularly in the West, because in the West, we had less history of slavery. And truthfully, that's really where the labor came from. 
And then the Japanese laborers came in not much after that, brought in for farming in, in Hawaii and California. But then what really happened after that is when the railroads were completed and the gold mines were more depleted, white workers were very upset and threatened by the, these people who were making less money, working harder, and, and really basically isolated because they, Asians were not allowed to own homes, vote, or, <clears throat> or um, socialize with white people. And so they re resulted in lynching, driving them out of homes, burning down the whole town, the areas where they were allowed to live because they were isolated in Chinatown. Chinatown did not start because the Asians wanted to, them to, it was because it was forcing them that's the only place they were allowed to live. The Chinese Exclusion Act of 1882 was because they wanted to stop any more Asians from coming, Chinese from coming, because they were threatened by how hard the people were willing to work and also because they felt threatened by um, them potentially taking their jobs. This then the next, uh, event happened was that there's a California Alien Land Law Act, which prevented Japanese nationals from owning land. So these are just a couple of the examples of what was happening as far as how much discrimination was going on. And in fact, the Immigration and Nationalization Service was created in large part to monitor and to prevent um, Asians from migrating into this part of the world. So model minority. I said earlier why this is such a disservice, not only to Asians, but to everybody. It's because there, it was a way to separate different groups from each other, and really in a way to pit each other against, instead of dealing with having unity of strength, they were being separated. We were being separated, say like from the Hispanics, um, Latinos, and from African-Americans because we were known as supposedly, we would keep our head down and stay quiet. It's part of our, our culture in Asian societies to honor our seniors, to be quiet and to really keep working, keep working and things will get better. And then we were caught between being regarded as foreign or we were supposed to ally with white people because that was the ruling class. So the more modern majority minority came with a lot of costs. You have to keep quiet and you have to just really basically support the white uh, supremacy, if you will, for, for you to keep going. But then we we're also thought to be very wealthy. But when you look at the whole overall, there's a higher percentage of Asian Americans living in poverty than other groups. And also there's a huge discrepancy in income between Asian American nationalities, 6% in Filipino Americans and much higher as you can tell with uh, some of the other uh, groups. So by putting this blanket that all Asians are rich, it really does a lot of disservice to many of the different subgroups. Because when you think about 
Asians, the population that in the geographic expanse that we cover is really a very much larger part of the world than all of America. So to put us all into one lump and say, okay, all these Asians are whatever they are, is really not understanding what we're dealing with or giving each person or each nationality or, or each group any chance to be who they really are. Education is another area. We are always told that we're so well-educated. Yes, there's a lot of Asian Americans who are well-educated because of our culture, of wanting to be able to get ahead. And since we don't have some of the other assets to get ahead, our, our tradition always is to study hard and you can get someplace. But if you look at some of the specific groups like Bhutanese, Laotians, and Cambodians, they have a very much lower percentage who are well-educated as compared to the overall population. So the model minority puts us segregated, unseen, and quiet. So why should you care? I want to just share a few of the contributions that Asian Americans have made to America. We know already talked about the transcontinental railroad, whether the Chinese, it wouldn't have happened. And they did it with pick and shovel. There was no good machinery or anything else. Raw, hard work. Same thing with the gold mines. And they were basically indentured ser servants, laborers. In fact, I don't know some of the older ones of you may have heard the term Shanghai. Shanghai was a term used because um, back in those days, there were boats that would come to Shanghai and groups of people were basically sold that they would get this great job in America. Once they get on the boat, on ship, they had no rights and they basically had to keep working because there's no way that they could get out of the contracts they signed, which they didn't realize that they signed. And then of course, another thing is that the Japanese Americans who were in internment camps because of World War II, taken from their homes, their businesses and whatever livelihood they were taken away from them and moved sometimes thousands of miles away from where they were from to be safe. But truthfully, it was concentration camps they were put into. And yet, these, the younger ones were so motivated to serve the country. They volunteered from the internment camps and became the most decorated military unit in U US history. They went and fought for this country and died for this country higher than any other group that's ever gone through a war in this country. So why else should you care? In 1898, Wong Kim Ark established the birthright citizenship because he was born in this country. He left this country to go on a trip. He was not allowed back into this country because they said, oh, you're not, you're not from this country because you're Asian. And his fighting through the courts with support helped us establish what we know now as birthright citizenship. When somebody's born in this country, you have by right citizenship. By the way, he still could not vote, but he had citizenship. In the 1940s and 50s, one of the pioneers of atomic and nuclear science was a physicist, 
Xian Xian Wu, a woman, by the way, who helped establish this very important science for the world. And then 1960s, Larry Leontong from uh, Philippines helped pioneer farm workers' rights along with Cesar Chavez. He approached Cesar Chavez and combined both their unions, farm workers' union, and helped establish workers' rights. In 1960s to 80s, Civil Liberties Act was helped um, established by Yuri, whose um, national origin is from Japan. So these very important milestones in our country's freedom and in our country's establishment came from Asian Americans. So more recently, Microsoft Outlook, I'm sure many of you use that, was developed by Asian American. The cure for HIV positive infants was created by Asian American. And so was the most patent for detecting and healing cancer, another Asian American. More recently still, Jerry Yang of Yahoo, two of the three YouTube inventors, co-founders are Asian Americans. Fashion designers, I won't name them all. There's a vast number. Architecture, Asian American. And it's just some other fun things. Cuisine, life would be pretty boring without all the kinds of Asian fruit that we have to share. And did you know ketchup is Asian, is <laughs> developed in China, as well as fireworks and gunpowder. So you can tell there's a lot of contribution that Asian Americans brought to this country and to the world. So what can you do to support one part, a big part of our country? Speak out. If you witness a hate crime or incident, but first of all, priority safety, because sometimes we have people who are unreasonable, shall we say? I mean, it's like in my incident at the apple stand, the man obviously before me who bought the apples obviously knew there was something wrong. He was embarrassed, he felt awkward, but he just basically ran out the stand because he didn't know how to interact with this guy who all of a sudden came, changed from a happy laughing guy to somebody who was just basically threatening me in some ways. Like, and it just is, if you can stay calm and either say something or if you don't feel safe, 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 safe saying something, call 911 and report the incident. Because so many times if it's reported, it will help at least decrease the number of them and get training how to deal with hate. Hate hurts everyone, including the person who's hating. So get training how to deal with it so that you can deal with it when it's directed at somebody else or at yourself. And check in with your Asian American friends because there's nothing as difficult as feeling alone and feeling like that nobody understands or, or is there to support you when things are going so learn about Asian American history. I tried to just encapsulate a few things that has happened in our country's history to sh show you that there's so much contribution and, and so much injustice that if we understand better, that we can support each other better. 
And I want to say not only just learn about Asian American history, learn about history of all the other groups here, because we each have a story and we each have a reason for being. And what may look like um, something that you can't understand can be explained throughout history, through what has happened. And advocate for awareness in your workplace and community, because when you speak up, it makes a difference because that's how change has ever happened is when we speak up and reach out to the elected officials because they can put in the laws, they can put in the change that is needed. And most of all, vote. If you don't vote, you don't count. Your voice is not heard and our officials listen when we know that you vote. So I just want to say, History is not there for you to like or dislike. It is there for you to learn from. And if it offends you, even better, because you're then less likely to repeat it. It's not yours to erase. It belongs to all of us. And from there, we can transform and move forward if we remember our history so that we don't repeat it. And I just want to put up our Rotary Club, E-Club, putting actions behind solutions to prepare create peace in the world. That's what we're here for. So I just want to just remind us all, we are here to do actions. And I just made this quick. So if you want more information about any of this, feel free to go to my website as well as to um, my Medium blog page where you can find out more information about diversity, equity and inclusion and other things. Thank you. Marilyn, that was so inspiring. Thank you. Thank you. That was, uh, that was terrific. It was uh, a great sharing. Unfortunately, uh, these are things in the United States that we all have to bear, but how do we, and you mentioned some things we can do to step forward in a careful way. And certainly we do need to take care today in some of these things that are happening. How do we better take a leadership role here as a Rotary Club of World Peace uh, to promote what's the right thing we should be doing? When we look at the big problem, it's almost impossible to solve. So I suggest that we find a cause or a project that we can work on. And it, um, we have so many members um, from all over the world. Um, we can spearhead one in our country here or we can join in, which is what we have done very well historically um, in, in making coalitions to make a difference. Because once we have the collective power, it makes a difference. Um, as, I mentioned, as I mentioned earlier, the farm, farm workers' right came when the, the Asians and the Latinos got together and created a coalition. Uh, we have done that um, with the civil rights, the, the Asian Americans combined their efforts with the, the African Americans and created that to happen. So we have historically always been able to make collaboration to make things happen. So I suggest us as a collective group, find something that we collectively are passionate about and spearhead that and then not be afraid to find partners to help us move forward. Yeah, that's great. I mean, as Rotarians, we're in almost every country mm -hmm. and territory in the world. So we represent mm -hmm. all cultures. 
uh, around the world here and together we're a melting pot and so we just need to support each other jack you have your hand up yeah sure do thank you Rudy. <clears throat> marilyn thank you for the presentation it was um you know very inspiring i mean given what you said and others you know talking about different groups um how do you explain and how should we react to you know the number of states that are putting restrictions on how race is taught in curriculum at, in K through 12 and even in universities. And this whole backlash um, against, you know, people calling to their attention, um, they're, they're, you know, the racial, you know, problems we're having and have had in our country and, and just saying, well, you're just, um, we're tired of hearing, you know, the victimization, um, you know, talks. So in, other words, in many of our states, we have this huge backlash um, taking place. So. One, how do you explain it? And two, you know, what can we do about it? It goes back historically to what we've been talking about, which is fear. They try to react and put things in place. As I mentioned in the, the few um, examples I used, it all came from fear. And so we're in a situation again where for whatever reason, and, and, and there's too many to, to, to go into this moment, there's fear about other groups taking jobs, taking um, land, taking whatever it is that they feel like they they want to have and, and basically trying to erase and change history. So it's a matter of saying, how do we change that? And not to, and that is to buy education with the very people that we think are being threatened as well as, as I mentioned, talking to elected officials and voting because change comes from when we have the political power as well as community power. So that's outreach and speak up because when we don't speak up, we don't get anything done. Yeah. Okay, we got uh, Marilyn King and then David Wick. <laughs> yeah, uh, Marilyn, I'm really curious um, particularly because of your executive experiences at companies like Nike and Reebok. Uh, we know women in, in general have a challenging time reaching the upper levels, but I'm curious, one, uh, any, any challenges that you or obstacles that you face, but most more importantly, did you encounter people who understood the challenges and that you found to be very helpful to navigate those obstacles when you were in those kinds of positions? Um, it's a big question. <laughs> Um, yes, I have uh, many obstacles to overcome, but frankly, even my uh, people who like, want to champion me, for example, like the CEO of, of Reebok, I was president, um, he himself being Jewish, he wanted to help, but he doesn't understand what it means uh, because I had a, a triple whammy. I'm not white, I'm Asian, I'm a woman, and I'm small. <laughs> So, so it was just, um, uh, we went on a, um, strategic retreat of all the top management and there was about 12 of us, 11 men, most of them over uh, 60 tall and me. And, <laughs> and the, the idea of a retreat where everybody will really have a good time is we'll work during the day and then take a day where everybody goes to play golf. And that was the, the bonding thing. I'm not a big golfer, but I had, knowing that this is part of the retreat, 
I learned to play golf before so that I can avoid the bond. But you don't really ever become part of them because when they go to the men's room, they are having conversations that you're not going to join. Um, when they talk about certain things about their history, their childhood, whatever, I don't relate. And more than that, it's just there's a certain distance because being a woman and being Asian, um, it's it's a, at least a double whammy, if not triple. <laughs> and so, as I said, even with his desire to 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 support to be supportive, he invited me on the trip because I'm at the level where you know being president, I would be there, but there's still that gap that you can't fill because there's no exposure, experience or understanding. Marilyn, uh, give some final thoughts there and mm -hmm. uh, challenges that each of us needs to step up for going mm -hmm. forward. I think the, the most important thing <clears throat> is to vote. I mean, ultimately our country is based on law and elections. As, as right or wrong as it might be at times, ultimately we have to vote to make it and to speak up and to learn. I think Anil said it very much as this, when you learn about others, you reduce all the barriers to entry to different places, whether it is um, to groups that are not the same as yourself or um, and in a way to understand what is going on. So learn about the others, reach out, and be open to concepts that may be different from your, your own, but to know that ultimately we're one, one world, we're one planet and we have to live together. We don't have, a, we don't have plan B, this is it. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, thank you. Yeah, that's great. Thank you for being a charter member of our club and being a great humanitarian and member of our club here in Rotary. We really appreciate all of your work. Hey. Thank you. Thank you. This thank is really, you. this is really a great presentation, really and uh, uh, it was an amazing discussion tonight.